Welcome, everybody, to the return of the Big Boot Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Wolf Sequera. I'm sure you can hear in the background, speaking of returns, the man Becky Lynch is coming out for the women's War Games match. I'm re-watching the pay-per-view from Saturday night because it was such an epic pay-per-view, such a great show. I'll get into the start a little bit, well, shortly, I should say, but the ending was so incredible that I realized... This is the time. This is the time to bring it back. I will be having a co-host. It's one of my best friends for over 20 years. A huge wrestling fan too. Wanted someone with, you know, who can also like explain some of my points, but also disagree with me and give you guys a a platform to debate. And that will be uh, Andrew Darby, which I'm sure he'll be going by what I refer to him as just Darby. Now, one thing that I expected from this, uh, the women's war games match, which was the team of Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Asuka, and I'm actually drawing a blank on who the next one was. That's so raw. I'm doing the first episode. Going to have a little bit more of a structure soon. I'm rewatching the pay-per-view from Saturday night because it was such an epic pay-per-view such a great show I'll get into the start a little bit well yes and their final teammate was Mia Yim I guess it kind of skipped my mind because she just returned recently and they took on the team of Damage Control led by Bailey, along with the women's tag team champions as you can hear in the background Io Shirai and Dakota Kai and they teamed up with Rhea Ripley and Nikki Cross Now, one thing in this match that I I pretty much knew was going to happen, and it did, and it didn't disappoint because it never does, was Io Shirai did a moonsault from the top of the War Games cage backwards. She did that a couple of years ago when the NXT did the first War Games for the women. And in one year, she put a trash can over her head and jumped off it onto everybody. So she's always like, I mean, she's appropriately called the genius of the sky. There was an earlier spot in the match where Nikki Cross climbed to the top of the cage. I'll admit, I'm not her biggest fan, but, you know, I'll give credit when credit's due sometimes. But, unfortunately, this is not going to be one of those times. She climbed to the top of the cage, did a crossbody. Never really got that big of a crowd reaction. Somewhat did. It was, I felt, very underwhelming. And especially later on in the match when Io does the moonsault, the backwards moonsault from the top of the cage... You know, you almost forget that Nikki jumped off the cage. I only really remembered it because I wanted to cover it in this in this podcast. So I feel like it just not only did it cancel it out, it really made it very, very forgettable for fans. The uh, You know, I mean, this match, I think the main thing behind it was to showcase Becky Lynch's return. Damage control took her out, injured her arm. Obviously, she had an injury, so that wrote her off TV for a while. She looks great. It's nice to see her back as the man character mixed in a little bit with the big time Bex gimmick. She's coming out no longer in kind of those ridiculous trying to look like Lady Gaga. She's coming back how the man Becky Lynch lo- used to look with the cool hair, you know, the kind of the, the leather pants with the nice leather jacket, as had the badass tights and everything in ring gear. And I mean, the match was mostly to showcase her. I mean, they did a third spot off the top of the cage, which I thought was overkill at this point. But because it's Becky in her return, I guess it made sense. I think they could have done without the Nikki Cross spot. And if they just had Io going backwards with the moonsault and Becky, who won the match, with a leg drop off the top of the cage onto Damage Control's 
Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, I think it would have been okay. Because then you would have had one person each from each team do a cool off-the-cage uh, bump. She ended up doing her, her, her uh, what do you call it, her vintage leg drop and ended up hitting Dakota Kai. While I was glad that Io didn't get pinned and they've kind of kept Io Shirai's booking really strong, as she is my favorite wrestler in the company or actually in the world, I didn't see the point of her pinning Dakota because they usually beat Dakota in a lot of these matches. I mean, she's obviously the, the woman that's the the least of a star on the team and pretty much in the whole match. But like, what does Becky beating her really do for storyline progression? Like after that match, you're not like, oh, where does it go from here? You're just thinking, oh, okay, cool win for Becky. The the female faces won. And oh yeah, she pinned someone that's one of the tag champs. Like there's no storyline there because you know Becky Lynch is not going to go for the women's tag titles. Unless they decide to have her and Bianca go for it, but they're not like them winning and it would just be pointless, especially with Bianca already being our uh, women's champion. Well, for Raw, that is. So, personally, I wouldn't say it's a terrible match. It was a terrible match. Uh, EO's spot and Becky, you know, jumping off the cage. I'll give credit to both of them. They helped boost my rating for the match. Mia Yim looked a little bit stupid in some of the parts where she wasn't really as helpful. Sometimes, you know, if you feel like you have to wait on something, don't make it look so obvious. Pretend to be out or just go up to someone and let them knock you back down. Just some things like you're supposed to sus suspend disbelief, as they say. That's like a term that's used on in wrestling with a lot of podcasters and veterans. So, I mean, I thought that takes away from the match. I don't want to give it a dud rating. I'm not going to say it was amazing. But to be fair, I, I'm going to just try to rank things out of five. I will give it a three out of five. I think it gets a pass. But I don't think it deserves anything higher. And that, like I said, is basically just due to Eo's moonsault, which is like picture perfect. And Becky, like, you know, on her return, jumping off the cage with a cool leg drop. And then the second match of the night, which is only the second time they faced off in WWE because Vince McMahon was a little too stupid to book them or, or get this feud going. But thank, thankfully now the Triple H is in control. We're getting the matches fans wanted to see and the feuds that made sense to happen so long ago when so basically as you can hear well I think you can hear it it's Finn Balor making his entrance accompanied by Damian Priest and Dominic of Judgment Day and he takes on AJ Styles of the OC the original club led by uh, with Gallows and Anderson at his side Great match. I wouldn't say it's as good as the first match they had at TLC about five years ago, but I liked what they did. The, the, the two guys each in Balor and AJ's corner end up getting into a brawl, going through the crowd and brawling all the, the way to the back, which leaves it to just Finn and AJ in a one-on-one -on -one match with no interference. I feel the right guy won here. There was a statistic going around that AJ Styles hadn't won a pay-per-view match, a singles pay-per-view match. In about three years, or at least close to three years, which is fucking ridiculous. And Triple H has only been in charge for a little over 100 days, and he finally fixed that. It just shows that Vince appreciated AJ at first, but then after a while, he just didn't realize what he was doing. So, yeah, AJ picks up the win here. I uh, didn't find the ending to be too great. It was a little anticlimactic, but, I mean, I was glad that he hit him with the phenomenal forearm for the, for the pin. I don't think uh, Finn Balor needed to be tapping out to the uh, calf crusher. 
So they went back and forth using some of their best offense, and it ended off with, like I said, a phenomenal forearm. AJ picks up the win. Everybody's happy. And you could tell that the crowd was really happy to see that. As much as we respect Finn, he's playing the role of a heel. He's had a good string of wins. It di didn't hurt him at all, and AJ needed a big win. And the fans love him, and he's arguably one of the best wrestlers in the world. Well, no, he's definitely one of the best wrestlers in the world, but he's arguably could even be the best wrestler in the world. In my personal opinion, he is. And if he's really not, if you want to debate it because everything's subjective, I'd say you can't argue that he's not at least the top three. The third match, which was the worst match of the night, probably also one of the worst matches I've seen in my entire life, was uh, Ronda Rousey, who usually always has a great match, in my opinion, and in the opinion of most from what I've read, took on, well, along with Shayna Baszler in her corner, took on Shotzi Blackheart, who I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, she's got a hot look to her, a cool rock and roll style, but you know what? The only thing actually good about her when it comes to wrestling is her entrance when she comes out in her little tank. I think Ronda was a little too generous, gave her uh, Shotzi way too much offense. The match went on too long. Shotzi botched a DDT, springboard DDT into the apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, so maybe that's why Ronda also didn't really like sell it perfectly by landing a certain way. There was a couple, a few botches during the match. Uh, either way, I'd still say, you know, Ronda carried the match as best as she could, even though she botched a few times, which is weird. I personally think the only reason she was making the mistakes is because Shotzi's such, like, for someone that's been wrestling so long, she, like, wrestles like a rookie. She makes a lot of mistakes. She's obviously physically not even close to being as tough as Ronda is, or any of the other females in the company, in my opinion. Wasn't impressed. Obviously, some of her friends in wrestling, mostly the females, have to tweet out support, even if it's, you know, not really true. I mean, I get encouraging your friend, but if someone's not good or, or didn't have a great match, like, just don't sugarcoat it. Terrible match. Went too long. Glad Ronda won. Shotzi got too much offense. Uh, a match I'll probably never, ever watch again in my life. It's in the background right now. Just the video package, because I'm uh, recording about the match. But... I'm about to fast forward and go to match four, which was, I, I'd say it could be argued that it was the show stealer. Seth Rollins defended his United States championship against Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory in a, a fucking banger, like, like amazing. Like I said, it could arguably be the match of the night. Uh, I feel the war games, the men's war game match with the bloodline taking on the brawling brutes led by Sheamus, which is himself, Ridge Holland and Butch along with Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens, had the best story. Anything with Roman has pretty much been the best story in wrestling period for the last two years and a bit. I'd have to say that match for me was the match of the night due to the storyline and just little things in the match, which I'll get to later. Now, the, the triple threat match between Bobby Lashley... Austin Theory, and at the time, the defending champion, Seth, United States champion, Seth Rollins, was just incredible. Some of the most creative spots. I mean, I don't know if these guys... They, obviously, some spots are kind of called in the back. But on top of things, you know all these guys are capable of calling it in the ring. So some of the things they did, I don't know if they did it on improv or, you know, came out in the back. But either way, impressive as hell. I mean, there was a point where Bobby Lashley put them in a double hurt lock which is his version of the full Nelson, which is incredible. They had a, a part where Austin Theory kicked himself off the uh, turnbuckle to flip backwards to go into a pin, 
And that was something that Bret Hart did back in the day to Rowdy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8. So I feel like anyone t anytime someone does that, I just think of Bret Hart. I think, oh, what a tribute to him. Seth Rollins did a really cool thing. When he had uh, Bobby Boy and, and Theory down, he jumped off Theory's back and hit the curb stomp. And not like a standing version of it, like a curb stomp right onto Bobby Lashley, but where he like drove his head into the ground and fell into the, the mat too. So it looked even cooler in my opinion. And that was a near fall. There was Seth jumping off the apron, hitting Bobby in the face with a knee. Theories on the outside after he'd been like pretty much thrown around by Lashley. In my eyes, just because uh, Seth hadn't held the title for a long time, he was my pick to win tonight uh, to win that night on Saturday night. And as far as the other matches go, I think that's something I left out. I'm going to throw in really quick. I knew the women were going to win the war, their War Games match, especially after Becky's return. It was pretty obvious she would get the fall. I thought it would have made more sense if she got the fall on Bailey, considering the fact that Bailey's group took her out in the first place. Ronda Rousey against Shotzi. Obviously, I don't even need to say who I knew was going to win that match. AJ versus Finn Balor due to the... Uh, fact that the meme and statistic came out that AJ hadn't won a singles match on pay-per-view in three almost three years or so pretty much told me that AJ was going to get the win I felt he deserved the win like I said it didn't hurt Finn so pretty much up till this match I was batting perfect one move that I, I respect a lot of theory like considering his size he's a he's one of those guys like he has the look of a world champion especially now that his character is a little more serious and triple h helped him drop the stupid taking selfies gimmick and holding the money in the bank briefcase and looking kind of like a clown this guy has a meaner look to him he's in great shape and for a guy that's he's kind of in the middle he's he's a he's a big freaking guy but he's not so big where he can't do certain high flying moves like i like how he'll from the outside he'll dive in through the middle ropes do a little like I guess a roll, you would say, not a cartwheel, like a roll, and then do a, a double front drop kick. So he does that pretty picture perfect, and I think that's one that's one of the staples that he'll be using in big time matches, like the rumored one he's supposed to have at WrestleMania against John Cena, which I'm assuming will will be for the United States title, and I think it should be. And also, as I mentioned, when when uh, Bobby had Theory in the Hurt Lock. At one part in theory, did that thing where he runs up the turnbuckle, flip backwards into a pin like Bret Hart did. Seth Rollins came off the top rope with a splash onto Bobby Lashley. And, and literally, that was one of the points where I thought it was over. Like, I thought it was over with the curb stomp. Then I thought it was over with that. Twice, I thought I, I had predicted the match perfectly. And the incredible ending, which had everyone in the arena shocked, including us at home was the fact that when Seth Rollins did one of his cool moves, the Falcon Arrow, he basically suplexes the guy off the top rope, which he did to Austin Theory, and then he flips back over and lifts you back up for another suplex. But as he's holding Theory up in the air, Theory's feet are in the air, facing the sky, Bobby Lashley runs at them and spears Seth Rollins. And as he does the spear, and he kind of rolls off a bit, Theory lands, flips and lands on top of Rollins for the three count, and becomes the new... United States champion. Basically, he has now held that championship twice this year. This has probably been the best match he's ever had and definitely the biggest win he's ever had. Even though he won Money in the Bank, it was kind of forced and also it's it really is just climbing a ladder. This match, you're in the ring with multiple-time former world champions and Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley. 
and he won the match clean with no interference, no one coming out to help him, no using no championship belts or anything like that. Even though it was done well, where Lashley's spear kind of gave him the momentum to get the pinfall. I mean, a win's a win when it comes to that. So then it was time for the main event. As I said earlier, the bloodline. The head of the table, the tribal chief, the WWE undisputed universal champion. I had to get it all right. Roman Reigns, along with his cousins, the WWE unified and undisputed tag team champions, the Usos, and their little brother and Roman's cousin, Solo Sokoa, teamed up with Sami Zayn, the honorary Us, known collectively as the Bloodline, took on the Brawling Brutes, led by Sheamus, along with Ridge Holden and Butch, and they teamed up with Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre. The match started off with Butch and Jey Uso. It made perfect sense that Jey would start, because considering with everything that was going on, I figured it would make sense to put him in there, kind of like for Roman to put him to the test, to see if he would kind of follow suit or follow one of the orders, or if he really was trying to take over something that was being teased a few times in the storyline. And then what made it even better was so as, as they're going at it, the bloodline didn't have the advantage. So the next person to come out ended up being Ridge Holland. So Jay's at a two to one disadvantage. When it comes time for one of the bloodline members to come out, you would expect it to be Jimmy Uso, Jay's brother. But as he was about to head out, Roman grabbed him and pretty much said, no, 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 not you, you. And told Sammy to get out there considering the fact that Jay and Sammy have been having a lot of trust issues, more so on Jay's end, Sammy trying to prove himself to, to Jay. So Roman, who was in the cage before like they're let out, sitting in the chair, like playing the whole role of the, the mafia boss, was also dictating the order of who went out and came up with the master plan to put the two guys who's, who can't get along in the ring together and force them to coexist. And I also feel like during the whole bloodline thing, at one point they really made a top-level player out of Jey Uso while his brother was injured, when he not only became main event Jey Uso because he was having main events on SmackDown all the time, but he headlined two pay-per-views against Roman Reigns, and both of them were two great matches with, like, perfect storytelling. And now I'm loving to see that Sammy's, and just like most of the fans are, if not all the fans that Sami Zayn is in a position where he's now in the main events as part of the storyline. He's seen as a main eventer, and he's someone who could actually be very, very believable and popular as a world champion. And it's kind of cool that he's also Canadian. He's from Montreal. And yeah, I may be from Toronto, but I ain't no huge hockey fan, so I don't give a shit if Toronto fans and Montreal fans don't get along. I support the wrestlers that are from Canada, period. And as it was Ridge and Butch taking on Jey Uso and Sami Zayn, there was a part of the match where Jey was in the corner and Ridge was about to run at him. And he's a big dude and crush him. And Sami pulls him out of the way and then points at him and lets him know like, hey, I just saved you right there. And then as Butch goes to attack Sami, Jey kind of pulls him off. Maybe not so much to help him, but more so because like, okay, you're all I got in here. It's two on two. Then the next entrant into the war games from Sheamus's team was Drew McIntyre and at this point the only two standing up in the cage in the war games are Sammy and Jey Uso and they're looking at each other and they just realize 
A former world champion has just stepped in the ring. And as Drew came in, it made sense that because of how strong he is and he's a former world champion, that he was throwing them around. They'd been in the ring a bit longer. They had already kind of started off the war. So he's tossing them around. And then the next person to come out, because I just don't want to give too much play-by-play, get to the just of things before you get to the main parts towards the end. The next one in was Jimmy Uso, Jay's brother. And he was followed by Kevin Owens. And then Kevin Owens was followed by the Usos' younger brother, Solo Sokoa. And then he was followed by Sheamus. And then last but certainly not least, the man who's carried the company and given us the best storyline along with his family for the last two and a half years, Roman Reigns entered. There was also talk going around that Jey Uso had injured his wrist within the last three weeks to a month, I believe it was. And then during this match, it's, you can pretty much hear the audio clear. Uh, he's trying to put, it, put a table up for someone to crash through, and he's there beside his brother Jay and Sammy. And you could hear him saying, I, th- I broke my, sorry, I broke my hand. And right at that moment, Sammy takes the table and he starts to uh, put it up. So obviously put the table up so someone can go through it. So now it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I mean, he has his hand taped. Will Jay be able to still continue and just be in the ring less due to more maybe six-man, eight-man tags or even tag matches with his brother as they are the tag team champions? Or will they end up dropping the titles potentially at Montreal's Elimination Chamber in February that I'll be at live with my brothers and possibly one of our good buddies, Sean Giles, uh, also, our, I guess you could say soon-to-be or already sister-in-law, Amanda. And I think that would make the most sense in terms of the pop. But it's also such a huge match that it would make perfect sense to do to WrestleMania. But if they decided to do it at Elimination Chamber in Montreal, I'm not going to complain. Because with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn somehow reuniting because I think they can get to that by seeing the KO turned on him a long time ago and he forgave him and he realized this is they were just using Sammy and had him brainwashed I think it'd be a cool tag team title win for them they make perfect sense to, to end it end the Usos reign uh, it's in Montreal so the pop would be huge and like I said the most important part is me and my bloodline will be there then there was a point where you felt like, oh shit, okay, some, some, there's going to be a turn coming. And this really could be the time where there's either a big dispute with possibly the bloodline leaving Jay behind or them turning on Sammy. And it was when Jay went to do a super kick on, I believe it was Butch. And Butch ducked and he kicked Sammy in the face. And he didn't even really care. He kind of like shrugged it off, had a little, little grin. And then Jimmy kind of came up to him like, what are you doing? And then Jay brushed it off. And then later on, maybe about a couple of minutes later in the match, there was also a spot where Solo Sokoa saved his cousin Roman Reigns from taking a bro kick from Sheamus, and he took the kick, and that helped Roman hit him with the spear. Then it got to the point where everyone had pretty much been knocked out by someone else's finisher, and it came down to the rivalry and the, the big fight that everyone was kind of expecting to, to come down at some point. You knew at some point it was going to, at least I feel I knew, <laughs> that Roman Reigns 
and Kevin Owens were going to be the only two standing and they'd get into a brawl. And what ended up happening here, which I thought was really cool, is they go back and forth and it gets to the point where Kevin Owens hits Roman with the stunner. And Roman's done. Sells it perfectly. It's about to be the three count. And before the refs, hand can hit the mat for the, for the three count. Sami Zayn grabs the ref's hand and breaks the count. Kevin Owens is shocked. And you can't really call that cheap because, I mean, it's war games. There are no rules. But he just can't believe that Sami Zayn would stoop that low to stop the referee's count. I mean, he could have broken the pin. And that's when I think he started to realize, like, oh, my God, shit. Like, he really is fucking in over his head with the bloodline. But Roman did look strong, even though he was defeated, because Kevin Owens hit his old move, which was the pop-up powerbomb, and then had nailed the stunner. So they made it where Roman pretty much took two of Kevin Owens' finishers, and that's what had him, like, knocked out for the three count. Because after Sammy broke up the pin, Roman's still, like, on his back, like, done. Showing that Kevin Owens had him beat. And there was no way to deny it. And it's just brilliant storytelling. Because if, if, if there's going to be somebody that's believable to be able to beat Roman with no help, Kevin Owens is the guy. And he gets a lot of respect from Stone Cold Steve Austin, who he main evented last year, uh, sorry, this year's WrestleMania with, is the fact that he doesn't use the stunner as just some high spot or some random move. That He uses it as an actual finisher, the way it should have always been used. So when he hits that, you're damn sure going to be out, unless it's like maybe a WrestleMania caliber match and the guy might kick out of one of them. So after that, Sami Zayn, you might be able to hear in the background, him and Kevin Owens are kind of looking at each other and Kevin Owens is yelling at him like, this is your family, that's your family. And right at that point, Jimmy Uso goes for a, a super kick. Kevin Owen, Owens catches him and catches his foot. And the part that shocks the whole crowd, including every one of us in the household, is when Sami goes low and hits Kevin Owens right in his nuts. No one can believe it. He's even second-guessing himself there. You could tell he feels bad. They, uh, Corey Graves and Michael Cole mention uh, the friendship that they have and they also mentioned that Kevin Owens was the best man at Sami Zayn's wedding in real life I don't know if in the background you heard right after I said it Michael Cole was also like is Sami Zayn second guessing himself but he wasn't he looked over at the tribal chief Roman gave the head nod and Sami hit him with the haluva kick in the corner and KO pretty much fell right into Sami Zayn's chest. And at that point, Sami looked at Jey Uso. And he figured, what better way to show, as you heard, where my allegiance lies and bury all this friction. He sacrificed his best friend to Jay, Laid him down in the position for Jay to go to the top rope. Hit the Uso splash and get that 1-2-3 for the win. And for the bloodline. And then as they're celebrating their big win, and you can still see it in Sammy's face that he's just very confused by what he did. He, he wanted to prove his allegiance to the bloodline. You can see his lips quite, kind of quivering a little bit, like he feels a little bit of guilt for what he did to his best friend to prove it. 
and then Roman opens up his hands for the big hug. I mean, that's nothing new there because Roman seemed to have taken a liking to him and just hugged him a couple of times. But the big moment comes when after that, Jey Uso walks up to him, gives him a huge hug, and to the point where the, the fans even pop for it. And then he grabs him, hugs him again, and then lifts him off the ground. And that's when you realize Sami Zayn has proven himself and fully been accepted in the bloodline because now Jey Uso, the only member that didn't accept him, now has as well. I don't know if you could hear that. Michael Cole talking about the embrace to, to, from Jey Uso to Sami Zayn. And you can hear the crowd pop for that. And definitely one of the best endings of a pay-per-view pay I've ever seen. Now I just can't wait to see what happens tonight on Raw. Hopefully if they're on the show. If not, SmackDown in Buffalo. Where don't be surprised if your boy, Sean Wolf Sequeira, is in the crowd somewhere. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy this. Me and Darby, Darby and I are going to keep this up. There's going to be times where it's just going to be me recording due to uh, scheduling. But we're going to get this out there as much as possible. And I'm going to definitely carry a little extra of the load since I'm the one uh, recording it on, on most of the time. So yeah, thank you to anyone that listens. Uh, look forward to recording more of these. I hope you guys enjoy it. And I think there's going to be an even better dynamic when I bring Darby into it. Because you're going to have a difference of opinions. And like I said, even for the, the parts that we agree on together, you're going to hear different viewpoints and why we agree. You guys have lis just listened to my WWE Survivor Series War Games pay-per-view review. Hope you guys enjoyed the show as much as I did and talk to y'all soon.